This is the MFG Cast. Hey guys, Kurt here. Solo Mio, by myself again. Uh, Dan, poor guy. The old, the old postal service running him into the ground, so he had to take the night off. I decided, you know what? Get some sleep, pal. Rest up for next time. But uh, again, I am not alone. Uh, two weeks in a row, we have some awesome interview action going on. That sounded kind of weird. I don't know why I said it like that. Now I feel like I'm just like trying to promote something that's unsavory. I'm, I apologize, but it's going to be super fun. <laughs> I have got Jeff Stormer, host of the Party of One podcast and All My Fancy Children. Jeff, thank you for coming on, sir. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. Yeah, this will be fun. So I'm very, I'm very pumped. Yeah. So humans, here's the deal. So... Some of us have, you know, all different kinds of jobs, you know, and some of us have that awesome, that office job, you know, mm-hmm. you know, some, some of us have that, you know, that awesome, you know, corner office where you can see out into the skyline. Uh, some of us are, you know, furthest away from that and dreaming of better days. That's and me. Sometimes- that's me. In case, you <laughs> in case you were wondering where I fell in this, that's me. Darn it. All right. Well, I might have to cross off that question. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, wouldn't you think that it would be fun to not only work in an office, but also to be a super spy that saves the world, but also you have to have those checks and balances? Mm -hmm. It's kind of weird. It's like like the exciting with the mundane. Mm -hmm. It's the, it's the, wow. I, I could be James Bond, or I could be the man from Uncle, or I could be Maxwell Smart, you mm-hmm. know, but I also still have to file paperwork. That's It's the part of the James Bond movies that you don't see, which is James Bond having to sit in training sessions for hours and hours. Yeah, yeah. So if, if, you, wa- if you watch Quantum of Solace and all those people that are like, ah, this, this movie is just too long. There's just too many mundane things. You know what? They could be that those could be the things that you are privy to and they mm-hmm. left out. So you are very lucky that they did not do that. That's fair. That's a good point. They, yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't feel like I feel like they they could have probably left out a lot more from Quantum of Solace, but like <laughs> the amount that they but there are also definitely things that they did that they cut out for the right reasons, and this is and my game is all about that stuff that's on the cutting room floor. Very awesome. So before we talk about Mission Accomplished, which starts on October 16th, let's talk about, let's let's do the get to know Jeff better kind of thing. Because, like, 
you know, we we met last year and we, we did. were able to talk for a for a you know half of a second before you guys before you and Aaron trotted off and did your awesome things. But also we got to you know me and my wife actually got to sit through and all my fantasy children live in the, the old uh, the old hotel room, which was magical, which was magical. But we let's get to let's get to know Jeff a little bit more. So let's talk about how did you get into this wild world of gaming. Oh, let's see. I got into this wild world of gaming uh, at a very young age. My brothers and I have three brothers. Uh, we were living in rural Oklahoma. So, you know, not a ton of things to do. Uh, <laughs> we were living in Oklahoma. My mother was a big yard sailor. So we were at a yard sale, and somebody was selling for some reason, probably because it's an incomprehensible mess of a game, they were selling the rule book to a game called Middle Earth Roleplaying. It is a game published by Iron Crown Enterprises in 1992 and 96, I believe, were the two editions of the game. Don't quote me on that. Don't at me. I always invoke <laughs> the don't at me clause. <laughs> but we had, per- we had we found this, and being that we were all kind of big into, like, video game role-playing games, your Breaths of Fire, your Dragon's Warrior, that sort of thing, we all we picked this up. We tried to learn it. It's not a game that is at all comprehensible to an 8-year-old. And it's not really comprehensible to a 30-year-old either. But we picked up the game. We tried to play it. We read through it. We, like, tried to gleam it. And it was through that that I became hooked with the idea of, like, telling these sort of narrative shared stories, being the star of my own stories, that sort of thing, and sort of creating these experiences. And it it hooked me and dragged me into this life kicking and screaming is how I would describe it. (laughs) Nice. So, so you know, so this game is like you. It was your first. It's like it, mm-hmm. even though it's probably awfully written, awfully made. You know, I apologies to whoever made it. It's probably their baby. They probably love it. But they probably they probably love it. But you know what? We all love a lot of bad things. We all that is things, true. We all have things that we're fond of that are not good. That is true. That is very true. Um, but what was what was like the the first you know, game that just really sucked you in that you said, you know what, this is, this is me. This is my thing. This is something that just like, wow, I can't believe I found this. That was probably, gosh, it probably wasn't even until, like there was D&D, like I had been playing D&D fairly regularly, but I'd say probably the game that like captured my heart and I've truthfully never really played it. It was just reading it. I was like, oh, this is the thing that I've always, this is what I've always wanted, was probably Mutants and Masterminds, the superhero role-playing oh. game. I read that, like, early high school, right as I was sort of getting into D&D, and was like, oh, my God, I can do superhero games. Like, this is amazing. I can tell superhero stories. This is the greatest thing that I've ever, <laughs> I've ever experienced. And it really, like, blew my mind. And, like, made me realize that you can do so many cool things in role-playing games. And I kind of went, oh, I get it now. Now I kind of understand what's cool about role-playing games is that we're making these stories together. And it really, like, put into focus the stuff that I wanted to be doing. Nobody wanted to play it with me. So I ended up just playing (laughs) D&D for a long time. But that's the game that I read and went, oh, I get it now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that makes me sad. Somebody, somebody play Mutants and Masterminds with Jeff, please. Now, I, as I've gotten older, I've reread the game and gone, oh, I don't want to play this game. It's too complicated. <laughs> it's, it's, not a, it's not my style of game at all. I've gone back and read uh, it as an adult and went, 
No, I'm good. Thank you. I'm, I'm good. I appreciate no. what you're doing, but it's not for me. That's funny. Well, you know what? Well, here, maybe, maybe, you know, I'm not saying what you should do, but maybe it's in your future to come up with something that has this theme that it's a little less complicated. Could be. And then you could play Entirely the game possible. that you want to play. Entirely yeah, possible. for sure. Yeah, it's funny because when you talked about playing Middle Earth, I'm surprised, and talking about a superhero game, I'm surprised you didn't find, like, in between there, you didn't find those terrible Marvel and DC role-playing games, which I did are not. god-awful. They are not good. I, I found them after, like way later and read them because people were like, oh, if you like superheroes, these are the, really the best. And I read them and I'm like, this one involves exponential numbers. This one involves calculus. The DC <laughs> superheroes game literally involves using calculus. You know, what's, you know what does not make me feel like a superhero at the table? is doing math homework. <laughs> you know what's funny? Is even the people that have the best intellect when it comes to mathematics don't even like the mathematics and role-playing games. You know, it's just like, mm -hmm. why do we need this? I just want to play an elf. Can I play an elf? I don't want to have to add what's going on with this elf. I just want to frolic i want to have fun i want to have an adventure i want to find treasure oh yeah why can't i just do that for sure for sure uh, yeah i i read those games because people were like oh these are the super if you want superheroes let me tell you <laughs> let me tell you this tsr licensed game from 1983 that's the one we've never we've never in the history of game design done better than they did in 1983 when game design hadn't been invented yet i'm like i don't think that's right also, yeah, yeah. I use the also I I've, I've created my character using the ultimate powers guide and my abilities are water creation, <laughs> metal skin, elasticity, and dimensional punch. I'm not sure what that last one means, but those are my powers. <laughs> I don't really know who my character is from that. I'm not getting a lot of cohesion. Yeah, that dimensional punch could be lots of things. It's like you could be mad and punch all dimensions, or it could be your your the force of your fist is so hard that it basically, you know, is just crazy good. Which you think that would be like an unfair advantage? Then it'd be like, okay, obviously I'm just blowing the heads up of anybody I touch. Are we certain that it's not punch in the Hawaiian punch sense, and it's just that you make a really good fruity cocktail? Because it could also be that. Because the rule book offers. No explanation. That page just appears to be missing. Oh, man. That would be great. I mean, hey, after a nice adventure, who wouldn't want a nice, universal a nice punch. cold punch? Yes. Okay. Oh, come on. And I'm sure there's, like, berries and all kinds oh, of elixirs from different places. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just, oh. oh I, I'm going to take a drink. That just made me so thirsty. I know people hate that, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> All right. <laughs> look, I made a, look, I have a podcast where half of the, the audio is me drinking not just a beverage, but like a creamy beverage. So you're not going to get any complaints about like <laughs> drinking noises from me. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So talking about Mission Accomplished, is this, is this your first Kickstarter that you have? This is my first Kickstarter. This is my first nice. Kickstarter-worthy game. All the games that I've done so far are kind of like smaller sort of a PDF shot into the world, and then I'm kind of done with it, games. This is the first one that is sort of to that next level. Yeah, so what made you think that, like, like this is the one? This is the one that's really going to get people excited. 
So actually, that probably came after like the first play two or like the first one or two play tests. We played the game. I wrote it originally. I wrote it exactly the same way that I wrote like the smaller games, which is like I drafted a one-page version of it. Said, okay, this is probably fine to get the idea that I want to get across. Across, I shot it into the world. Some people offered to play it. I said, okay, cool. That'll be fun. I'd love to hear that. And I listened to them play it and went, okay, no, I'm list. I'm hearing this. I need to add X, Y, and Z. And if I add X, Y, and Z, then I'm gonna have to have to add. Oh yeah, this is gonna be a whole thing. This is going to be a whole game that's going to require a whole experience. It was. It's not just something that I can kind of be like, "Hey, cool, heady idea, right? Fun, great. Give me a dollar now, and we're and we'll call it even." <laughs> that's awesome. So you know, like like we talked about before, you know, it seems like it's inspired by like the Bond movies and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Is is that something that you were really into, or is that just something that you were like, "This would just be a cool template to put in this game that you have." It was kind of, I was actually, it was, I was specifically, I've always liked spy movies. I like them a lot, the sort of genre trappings of them. <laughs> I, but I, I kind of, the things that I like about them, I've realized are also a lot of the things I like about superheroes, which is sort of big, larger than life organizations and moon lasers and death traps. There's just a lot of camp. It's a lot, of, it's a lot of camp <laughs> is the thing that I like in spy movies. And... At the time, as I was writing the game, I knew what the structure of the game was going to look like. I knew what, I knew kind of what I wanted the game to do mechanically. And as I was thinking about, like, what do I want this to be? Do I want it to be, like, a sci-fi imperial thing? Maybe they're supervillain henchmen. My wife and I had happened to be watching a lot of Archer. Oh, and nice. I was like, and as I was watching Archer, I went... No, it's this. This is what this is what the game is about because it hits that perfect note of like cool action and larger than life stuff while also being primarily set in a dingy like rundown office building. <laughs> That's awesome. <clears throat> well, now that we've kind of flirted around it or whatever, why don't you give everybody in your best salesman pitch what this game is about? Absolutely. Uh, awesome. Mission accomplished. There's a salute in the title, and I have not quite figured out how to put that into text yet. Uh, Mission accomplished is the role-playing game of super spies and office meetings. Four to eight players take on the role of a team of super spies. You have just come back from saving the world, killing the bad guys, and stopping the apocalypse. Now, you that was the easy part. Now you have to do the hard part, which is convincing management that you deserve credit for all the things that went right, and everybody else deserves the blame for what went wrong. The way you're going to do this is by ratting out your coworkers, by throwing people under the bus, and by sucking up to middle management. Because Mission Control is on a vendetta, and if they can't figure out if something was your fault, that means it's Mission Control's fault, and it's never Mission Control's fault. <laughs> By the end of the evening, somebody is going to get burned. Somebody is getting that sweet corner office, you know the one with the floor-to-ceiling windows and the company credit card that's only for emergencies, but we know it's more for emergencies. And that's that's the game in a nutshell. It is it is a team meeting after the cool spy stuff has happened where everyone is trying to sabotage everyone else. Nice. So now you are you've already spoiled that you work in an office. So are I do. Are, are are you are you cheating by, you know, like doing your work but also dreaming big of wanting to do this to your own coworkers? No comment. <laughs> no comment. 
All right, so we know exactly what that means. All right, yeah, moving on. I, I, I choose to believe the fifth on all regards <laughs> regarding to how this game intersects with my day job because uh, that's a topic that's going to go down some rabbit holes. <laughs> no, it's, no, it's yeah, there's actually, it's funny because uh, the story that I've been telling is the first Metatopia playtest I played with Mission Accomplished. We ran through the game. It went great. One of the players in that playtest just was like sitting there and went, I gotta say, this was probably the most fun office meeting I've ever had. And I sat there real quiet for a second because I had written the game. Like, I'd sat there real quiet and went, oh, God, I wrote a game about my day job. Oh, God, what have I done? And that's the moment that I leaned as hard as I could into it and said, oh, yeah, we're going to make this happen. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So it, it brings up a great point, which it, like, the first thing I, one of the first things I thought of when I thought of this game is, Okay, so I'm guessing you've seen the movie Office Space, correct? Yep, yep. Okay, so it's a movie that back when it came out was like like a big thing. You know, everybody loved it. Everybody was like, okay, I've been there. You know, I've had, you know, the boss that's like that. I've had the, yep, yep. the bosses beneath them that were like that, that just keep hounding you. I've had the coworkers that just continue to drive you crazy. And just there's just a lot of things in it that are very real with some humor yeah, sprinkled yeah, yeah. into it, you know? And um, it made me think that I wonder if some people will just lean so hard into it that they'll just be like, oh, my gosh, this was, this is what I would love to do at my day job. I would oh, love for to sure. just, you know. Yeah, it's like, obviously, I love Randy because Randy's always been with me forever and he's been the best thing in my work career. And then there's there's Adam that's just a jerk. He just out for mm-hmm. himself. He does not care about anybody else. I want to burn him and I want to burn him bad, but I can't yep. because you just can't do that in normal life without getting fired. Okay? Yeah, yeah. And it made me think of Office Space because... That used to be a movie that I used to love. I just would watch it all the time. It would make me giggle, you know, and there would just be some fun parts. And then I tried to watch it with my wife one day, and she also works in an office. And some of the parts just must hit the right notes at the right time. She's, I cannot watch this movie with you. I'm sorry. You're going to have to turn that off. And I'm like, I get it. I totally get it. You probably are going through For the sure. same stuff day in and day For out, sure. and it's just being like, I I just can't do it. No, I totally understand that. <clears throat> yeah, but with this, you can, you know, it can be almost a game of therapy where it could be like, you know, obviously these things are bugging me, and I can use mm-hmm. this as an outlet to, you know, play, you know, kind of role play what I would do in those situations. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's... It's a, a lot of it, and that's kind of the vibe that the game kind of gives off for me a lot mm-hmm. of times, is as you're playing it, once players kind of, like, understand what's really happening, the vibe you get so often, you can actually hear it. In, in the games that I've played, you can hear the language change. You can hear the inflections change about a quarter of the way into it when players go, Oh, this is what's happening. And you immediately hear, like, I will, I've always played, I always end up playing, well, I play Mission Control because I wrote the game and it's sort of the game mastery role. But also it's because I love being just the worst, the worst manager. (laughs) 
So I play it, and I'll throw somebody under a bus immediately, and I'll go like, wow, it doesn't really seem like you were kind of honoring team spirit. And you'll initially hear a player go, well, I mean, I don't see how... And I'll kind of start to, like, buck against them and be like, are you not showing respect to authority? And immediately every other player at the table, you'll hear their language immediately go, well, with all due respect, I think that the thing to raise up, I think the issue that we really need to bubble is, and you just hear their language as they all go, oh, I need to be in day job mode for this. Okay, then let's, then let's do that. And it's my favorite part of the game consistently is that moment when you hear everyone go, yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah, sure. So what I'd really like to talk about is, uh, I don't, obviously don't want to accuse anyone of anything, but I did happen to note that player A did something that was perhaps, maybe not in this, and you just hear them kind of dial back their aggression and pump up their sort of pretentiousness, and it's perfect. It is perfection. <laughs> that is awesome. Well, and it, 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 begs, it begs another question, because you use dice in this where, you know, when somebody does good you you know the mission control mm-hmm. gives them uh, uh what's the good dice a, com- I, a commendation dice accommodation every time i try to think of it i think of some other word and i never get it right so you get those dice believe being, me i've changed those words like six times <laughs> i know that feeling nice nice i'll never get it but that's okay I, that's just how it works and then you know when something does something that's against mission control you give the citation dice Mm-hmm. But what I like is, and I, I want to ask you this question: if this if this was something that happened at the beginning of you coming out with coming up with this game, or if it just eventually made its way into it, is that you have the blue dice, which are anarchy dice, and I feel like that's where you know if nobody can come up with a good resolution and everyone's just kind of shouting at each other, this is bad dice for everyone, you mm-hmm. know. And I and I'm wondering if. During the playtesting, you're like, oh my gosh, I have a great idea. Let's throw this into it. Because then if everybody else can't get along, everybody's going to you know, get a little bit of a, a burn or get a citation for it. That was a... I want to say that might have been in the first version of the game. Nice. But I don't think so. Because the original first version of the game had no citation dice. It only had players collecting commendations. It wasn't until I heard the first two playtests and I went... Okay, this seems a little bit too easy. It doesn't feel like there's enough like mechanical stuff happening that I added the second kind of dice. And that was also when like in those early playtests, I could hear moments where I was like if I were running this game, I would want a mechanic to be like, "Hey, everybody get back on task or I'm going to like turn this car around." Because and part of that was, you know, part of that was Thinking of the game's inspirations, like, you can see it on, like, Archer or Office or the Office or Office Space. There's the moment where everyone is just screaming at each other and one of the characters just goes, everybody shut up. Everybody (laughs) shut up right now. And I wanted that mechanic so so that, like, if the game had completely gone off the rails, somebody could go, hey, get back on track. And that's where the that's where the that's where the anarchy dice came from, which I might change to control dice. I like control a lot, and it gives you yeah, that C, you that consonants effect. Either way, anarchy dice came from that moment of like, hey, everybody, shut up, get back on track. Yeah, yeah, and I, yeah. I think I think the con- control is probably a perfect way to say it because the mission control has control over you, regardless mm-hmm. of what happens. You know, you're that person is the boss, or that entity is the boss. And you have to abide by it, or you're not a mm-hmm. spy anymore. So it makes sense. Yeah. 
Or you get burned or shipped off to Siberia or whatever happens to you <laughs> if you get worst place. Yep, yep. It's it's funny because when I just talking about it makes me nervous because I think of some mm-hmm. of the people that could GM this. You know, say because I'm I'm definitely I'm back in this day one, but you know it's like when that when that you're like okay, so who could GM this? And you automatically I think of people that I'm like, nope, wouldn't want them to do it. Nope, wouldn't want because it'd be like I would I know I would just be like on my knees like I'm I'm not trying to tell you what's going on, but mm-hmm. I just let me explain. <laughs> you know, just for sure. And we've all been in that situation, I'm sure, at one point or another. Yeah. And that's actually one of the things, the hardest part of writing the rules to this. And the rules are pretty much written. I think the plan is to let it, to put out a art-free rules draft of the, of the art-free PDF of the rules as soon as the campaign is done. I'm not sure about that, but that's kind of what we're working towards. The hardest part of writing the rules was writing the GM section, was yeah. writing the mission control guide. Because not only was I having to explain how the rules worked, part of the rules is that the mission control is supposed to be arbitrary, you're supposed to be retaliatory, you're supposed to be contradictory, you're supposed to be condescending, you're supposed to be, like, overly aggressive, but also overly polite. And having to find, like, the hardest part is explaining how to do that while also explaining, hey, your job is to make sure that, like, you and all of the other players, because mission control is a player just like everyone else, it's, it, it is your responsibility as much as anybody else's to make sure that the table is having fun. So while you're being the world's biggest jerk, <laughs> here are specific guidelines on how to be a jerk while also ensuring that, like, for example, everyone gets a turn to speak. And one of the things the game says is, like, if somebody is if somebody is not giving getting an opportunity, right? Like, if players... Because this is a game that encourages a certain degree of, like, jumping in and grabbing the bull by the horns and trying to, like, seize an opportunity. It's specific. I I included the specific note to Mission Control that, like, if you see that that is happening and somebody is just kind of sitting by the wayside, like, well, I... No, but I... Okay. Then it is your job as Mission Control to be like, let's talk to you. (laughs) And to put them in a hot seat. Because then they get an opportunity to, like, jump forward. Because then you are explicitly saying, hey, it is this person's turn. They have not gotten a chance to speak. Let's give them the table. Yeah. And so that has been the hardest part of writing the rules is making all of those responsibilities clear to mission control. Yep, yep. And that's a, and that's a you know, it's, it's a great thing that you're that you're focusing on that because I, I can definitely see where people can get a little out of control about oh, it. Oh, for, you know? sure. So for, so sure, for sure. For sure, for sure, for sure. Because, again, this you know, it's a game. You, you want everybody to have fun. So that should be number one on everyone's list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's part of it is like, is like you know, it, this is a game with a game master, with a GM role. And I've always and I, I wanted that GM role to partially be like it's your job to figure out who is speaking when and how the turn order works. The rules are going to support that, but here are how you can use those rules to like facilitate an enjoyable evening of play. And then once the rules kind of do that for you, here's how you can be a jerk and have fun with it. <laughs> That's awesome. So I I also like that you give that you give some of the player you know. Everyone has their due, but I think it also gives them some power when you actually get to, you know, when they get to give Mission Control, you know, the 
positive the positive things that they can talk about one person, but also mm-hmm. the the negative things they can talk about another. So it's like, and the fact that it's it's hidden. So it's like until Mission Control lays it all out and you know gives everybody you know the details, everyone's just kind of like, okay, what exactly is going on here? You know, because mm-hmm. it's just like just like anything. You know, it could be like, oh, I I always I always thought. I always thought Annie was, you know, just so very nice, but wow, she just, she does not think the world of me. So, you know, it'd just mm-hmm. be interesting to see, you know, how, where those go, because you could have two, you know, two people that are like, oh, they're best friends in real life, and then they play this game, and then it's, they're just mm-hmm. at their throats, you know, metaphorically or whatever. So it's just, it's cool to ha- for them to have that kind of power too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, that that has always well that hasn't always been in the game originally, like originally, it wasn't specific to eight other agents. It was just a thing that happened, and I kind of realized that was too broad, and I needed to narrow that in a little bit, and that's why it ended up being something that another agent did on the mission because then it kind of forces you to like ground it a little bit and be like, mm. okay, these are all things that happened to us. Because the first few playtests, I distinctly remember the card that made me change the entire, like the way that those anonymous reports are written, mm-hmm. and it was because somebody had written on a card, and then the robot uprising happened. Nice. And I remember sitting there for a moment and going, "That's funny. That's for sure funny." But it doesn't really like it doesn't impact what is happening to the players. That's just wacky. That's just off-screen wackiness. Yeah. I was like, your players still don't have any direction at that point. That's when I went, okay, so this has to tie back into a character so that your stories are all are all the focus and what you are doing is what is driving the action. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so it's just, I don't know, it just, it seems just like, it. this game's like totally up my alley because again, I, I like that kind of super spy stuff myself. I, I love like the fact that you know, it, it just it's just a good way to have a lot of goofy interactions with all your mm-hmm. friends and stuff like that and just be like, you know, just, I don't know. It just, it feels like there's just so many ways that it can go. And I, I like, it, it's funny because when I, when I first started thinking up a cro- of questions to write, to ask you and stuff like that, I, I read the whole thing and I like literally got done with it and I go, wow, that was, that was really good. I don't, I have no clue what to ask you because I was just like... <laughs> It's a game that I love, and you know I want I want to have it and I want to play it, but I'm like, man, I just I feel like it's all pretty self-explanatory. So it was kind of interesting to, mm-hmm. you know, be able to re- you know read something, read it into it, and not be like, okay, I have all these questions that I need answered because I'm not, you know, maybe I maybe I don't know what this means or, you know, it it, it wasn't a, a a lack of like oh you know I just you know I don't know what to do. It was just like. I just feel like I know everything, so it's like, yeah, okay, what do we talk about? <laughs> and that's kind of, I'm very happy about that. Like, that, that's, I, you are one of the first people to read the, like, what is going to be the text of the book. Nice. Because I was going back and forth, I was thinking, like, maybe I'll, like, upend some things, or I'll condense stuff. Because the, the documents that I sent you had a, had a field agent's guide and a mission control guide. And I was like, maybe I condense those into one document again. Maybe I kind of do this, that, and the other. And hearing you say that, and then I also talked to Meg from Modifier, and she had said very much the same thing. I'm like, you know what? I think it works as is. So hearing you say that the rules make sense and, like, 
you understand the game and how it works having read through everything makes me very happy because it means I've done my job well. Yep, yep, and that's awesome because it's, it's the opposite of Middle Earth where you actually everything just comes just comes naturally. So. That was that's I, I'm gonna I'm gonna put that like I think that's my tagline of the game is that this is the opposite <laughs> of Middle Earth role playing. Nice, nice. Make sure you make sure you put my name on it. Okay, so. I think we've talked about everything that we could talk about about this game, but let's, except for, let's talk about dates. So we've got, yeah, it's the October 16th through the 25th, am I right? Am I wrong? Uh, through the, uh, November 15th. November 15th. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. So 15, 16 to 15. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. 16, 15. I think it's not quite 30 days. I forget if it's 28, if it's on the, in the <laughs> 20s or if it's in the low 30s. It's it's the 16th of the 15th. Nice, nice, perfect. So, uh, no worries. You won't even have to worry about those 30 days, I'm sure. But um, it's going to be awesome. So Fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so, what are we looking for? Is it something that's just PDF form? Or are we looking soft cover, hard co- cover? What are we looking at? Uh, this is a soft cover print. Uh, the Kickstarter's for a soft cover print run. Um, it's going to be, there's a PDF version. Uh, I'm pretty sure... These numbers may change slightly, so don't quote me on this. Again, I am invoking the don't at me clause. That's all but, right. It, it happens all the time. Uh, I believe it's $12 for a PDF, 20 for a soft cover, and then 35 for two soft covers. So you can have a version to give a version to keep for mission control and a version that you can black out with a magic marker all of the mission control text and hand to your field agents. Nice, because obviously nice. that information should be redacted before yes. field agents get their hand on it. Yes, exactly. And make sure you thoroughly redact it, please. Yeah. Okay, so before I let you go and we do all these, do we talk about all the other thing, all the other awesome things that you're on, I wanted to do a quick, gosh, what do they call that? Like, why am I blinking out right now? Oh, God, I can't think of it. So we're going to go a quick th- run through. I hear that you are a big wrestling fan, so I'm just going to... Yes, of course. Uh, I'm going to throw you some, some uh, just a few quick questions and see, yeah, see what yeah. you think. La Parca or Rey Mysterio? Oh, uh, La Parca. Yes, of course. La Parca's great. He so, does the course. chair dance. I mean, here's the thing. Rey Mysterio has had the best... The last two years, he has had maybe the best two years of the last, like, 15 years. Rey Mysterio, since leaving WWE like three, two or three years ago, is, is looks better, moves better, and acts better than he has in a decade. And it's because he can set his own schedule and say, I'm going to work two dates this month. <laughs> so, like, I've watched Rey Mysterio matches in the last year and go, I'm like, where have you been yeah, for yeah. the last ten years? Because yeah. he's got time to be like, I don't have knees anymore, so I'm just going <laughs> to let him rest. That said, Laparca is a we- is still a weird old man in a party in a party city skeleton outfit, dancing around on chair, dancing around with chairs yeah. and hitting people, and he's been involved in like multiple mask matches and just continually like backs out of them or like cheats his way. It's great. I am <laughs> and all I think in he, on Laparca. And I want to say his Leparca his name forever. is now Lapark. And he took the A off now? I don't, I don't, don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure I saw that the other day. L.A. Park. L.A. Park. Oh, L.A. Park. Oh, I get it now. I get it now. Yep, yep. He is now known as, he is now, he is now known as L.A. Park because technically there's another La Parca. Uh, so Mike skills or technical prowess on the mat? I think it's somewhere in the middle because I think for me it's your ability to be a character. And I think that's kind of, it can come from either and it can kind of, 
be a little bit of both. So I think it's probably for me, it's probably a little bit of either. It's in, I think it's better. I think it's better to be like, I have, I would, I tend to float towards people that have a stronger grasp on character. So I might float towards Mike skills in terms of being able to like convey who you are as a character. Yeah. Yeah. There's been a lot, there's been a lot of wrestlers where it's like, they're, technically sound and then when they go to cut, cut a promo you're like oh man you are just it's like a mouthful full of potatoes i'm like no come on you got get some hire somebody to help you out please yes i i think i think i'm oh, more of a mike skills guy because i think i'm more of like i want you to be able to con- to convince me that you are the character that you're playing yeah definitely Elimination chamber or tables, ladders, and chairs? Oh, elimination chamber. Elimination chamber is just a more fun match. I think it's, I think it's got a, a sillier gimmick. <laughs> I think it, you know, I'm all in on the elimination chamber. I think it's a great. It's no money in the bank, but I think it's a pretty close second. Yep, and I always love when the chambers themselves don't work. I always love when yes. they have that thing, <laughs> and they they have the thing like. Oh, I'm stuck. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's weird. You know, some some people. I know Triple H for sure has played it and played it terribly, and he's pretty mm-hmm. good at doing that kind of stuff. So it's kind of funny that that's happened. Uh, okay, next one: NXT or ECW? Oh, NXT. Just seems like everybody is just in love with NXT. It's like it's like what everybody wants wanted ECW to be. I would say I would say like. probably for me, I, what I would say is not even is NXT, but like specifically peak nxt golden age nxt which i have very specific dates yeah. for when it starts and when it stops but like there is a specific time for me when nxt was the greatest thing in professional wrestling nice well actually i want you to list the dates because i know dan will be listening and he he will want to know the dates for sure uh it starts in may of 2013 it starts with Sami Zayn's first appearance when antonio cesaro pins someone Sami Zayn comes out, challenges him, and rolls him up in two minutes. It's the first time, the first moment that, like, Golden Age NXT starts. The exact <laughs> nice. moment that it ends is the ending of Sasha versus Bailey at Brooklyn and take over Brooklyn. When they shake mm-hmm. hands, the four horsewomen come out, they raise each other's hands. This is not the end of the show, despite the fact that it should have been. But because the next match is Finn Balor who is at this point just a star, just there to be a star, and Kevin Owens, who has already kind of, who is just doing his indie gimmick in a ladder match just for the sake of a ladder match. Yeah. That's, for me, is the end of Golden Age NXT because it's when it starts being a super card spectacle instead of, like, the weird character-driven masterpiece of wrestling that it was in that, like, two-year period. Yeah. I think think it's gotten its... You know, oh my gosh, this is a popular thing. Let's ruin it. Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> it feels like that, like, like, like when when Raw used to be the biggest thing and the weirdest thing, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, this is the everyone likes this. Well, let's just let's make it just awkward and you know, let's focus everything on this one show and forget about everything else, yeah. and then it just turns into garbage. So, those are my peak. Those are my peak NXT days. Those are my peak nice. NXT days. Perfect. Um, and I've got two more for you. All right. All right. So, Dwayne Johnson, Flex Gavana, Rocky Maivia, or The Rock? Hmm. Dwayne Johnson is probably number one. I'm going to say... 
It's hard because I don't like The Rock, but I recognize him as very good at what he does. Mm-hmm. So I think The Rock is going to be number two. I recognize as much as I, I'd probably put Flex Cavana at number four because I think that like Rocky Maivia is better than he gets credit for. So I'd probably go in that order. Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, Rocky Maivia, Flex Cavana. Yeah, nice. Because I think one of, one of my, like, I'm a huge rock fan, and I know a lot of people just don't care for him, but my favorite rock is when he was with the corporation mm. because they made him into this, you know, guy that just wanted to go out and destroy. And some of the matches he had with McFoley, mm-hmm. you know, in all of his iterations was just oh, a ton of fun. He's spectacular. I just wish that his promos weren't so often homophobic. Like, if... If he could not go down that route, and even as Dwayne Johnson, like, when he shows up again, like, he still feels like he has to go down that route. Uh, yeah, it's like, hey, hey, I used to be this guy, right? I, this is fun, right? And, like, right? if he you know, didn't like, feel like he had to do that, then I would like him exponentially more. Yep, agreed. And lastly, Green Mist or Eating a Turnbuckle? Oh, Green Mist. You know, you know what, you know what my real answer is is like uh, is red mist. Uh, red here's mist, the thing: nice. mist has levels. The thing is, I like I like mist because it has levels, and those levels determine how deadly it is and how awe-inspiring <laughs> it is if you kick out. Like if you spit with black mist at somebody, it's just like oh no. Or red mist, it's the deadliest mist. I love that. <laughs> that is some that is some anime nonsense. That is pure. That is a pure good. Yep. Oh, I just love it. I just thought of it the other day. I was like, man, I miss seeing mist. I feel like I don't see it enough anymore. Oh, you got to watch New Japan. They miss, each- they miss people all the time. <laughs> people get <laughs> missed nice. in left, right, and center. That's awesome. All right, Jeff, this has been a blast. I mean, thank you for coming on and My talking pleasure. about thank this you awesome for having game. Me. I can't wait till it comes up. Um, why don't we? T- why don't you just promote yourself if people want to get a hold of you, check more of you out? Where can they reach? Yeah, you, uh, you can head to jeffstormer.com. Has links to all of my podcast, game design, professional stuff. Uh, Party of One, which is an actual play focused on two-player role-playing experiences. You can check that out at partyofonepodcast.com. Uh, all my fantasy children, which you mentioned at the top of the episode, is a character creation, storytelling, and world-building podcast in which every week my best friend Aaron Catano Saez and I take listener prompts and spin them into fantasy characters. You can find that at allmyfantasychildren.com. And most importantly, the Kickstarter for Mission Accomplished. Uh, if you go to Kickstarter and search for Mission Accomplished or follow me on Twitter at Party of One Pod, uh, you should be able to find the links to that. It is going to be a tremendous game, and I hope you back it and help make it happen. Yeah, definitely. So remember, go out there on October 16th and go fund this game. I said it right, October 16th. Yep, you got it right. You got it exactly right. All right, cool, cool, cool. I just, (laughs) it's so funny. You could say it like a million times, and and Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, am I right? Am I right? Wait. I I have been having that exact experience. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. All right, well, thanks again, Jeff. Thank you. uh, Again, make sure you go out, make sure you go out, fund this game. It's going to be a lot of fun. And until next time, I'm Kurt, and this was the MFG Cast. Legends of Tabletop Podcast, creating legends one die at a time.